This is episode 106 of Hebrews in Exile with our honorable teacher, Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And in this episode, we are going to discuss the government system of the Hebraic nation. Now, when we look at text, we don't look at it from a standpoint of observing the fact that it is actually a system of government that has a predefined set of rules and regulations on how its community is supposed to not only govern itself, but it's also how it's supposed to behave and interact with our theocracy, which happens to be the Most High Yahweh. So, without any further ado, let's get into the intricacies of Yahweh's exiled empire. Hebrews in exile, you know what we do. Let's go! This is Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And this is Hebrews in Exile. You know what? I had to almost had to stop because I wanted to say Yahweh's exiled empire. <laughs> you know, but that's a good thing. Listen, we are we are getting ready to promote one of the most phenomenal things in the history of Hebrew Israel. Mm -hmm. Not one Hebrew Israelite has ever thought about this, whether they be pure or whether they be Hebriskins. <laughs> yeah, Hebriskins. And that is, we've read, in, we've read in scripture where scripture always refers to Israel as the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. But children grow up. <laughs> right. Right. They grow up. Yep. And while our Heavenly Father recognizes us as being his children, mm -hmm. yet and still, the Hebrew nation nation I said the Hebrew nation, nation yeah is an empire yes agreed totally agreed totally agreed. it is an empire unto itself I mean it's it's clearly delineated in text there is and and you if, even if you go through the litany which we you know necessarily don't necessarily have time to do but if you go through all the litany of things that qualify a a country a nation of people it's all defined with you can find those same qualities that are in text. There is literally the definition of our country, our culture, uh, some of the, even our colloquialisms are confined within that. We have a border, set, set of land, all that. And most importantly, Devarim chapter four. Yes. We, we have, have rules and instructions. Absolutely. And in Devarim what? Chapter 33 mm. is our song. Is it 33? 33, 34, it, somewhere in is there. It, is 33 our song? The uh, song the song of Mashe? I want to say it's... Well, I'm going to find it, it here. It's, yeah, it's, it's I'm close. You close. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to find it here. I am. I'm going to it. I'm yep. going to Devarim chapter number 33. I do believe. Um, the Vizot Habraka... This is the blessing, and thirty. I thought it was around. It's not. It's I not thought it was around 32. like maybe two, thirty, thirty, or somewhere in there. Thirty-two. Hear, O heaven, as I speak. Listen, O earth, to the words of my mouth. Uh, come on, where is the song? We shouldn't, and you said we should know this. Yeah. <laughs> we should remember. We, yeah, we should remember we our should preamble, remember, our uh, song. Yeah. Um, We've got a, well, while you're finding that, we definitely have our mission statement, which can definitely be found in, in, in Devarim chapter 6. Well, it's not verse, 34. Verse 4. We, our constitution is spelled out. It's not a 4. It's not 34. Uh, quite, quite eloquently throughout uh, Torah. It's um, not 34. Come on. But you're looking for our national anthem. Yeah. <laughs> this is the blessing that Moshe, the man of, of El, spoke over the people of Israel before his death. That's 33. 
Like 34 is like the last one. Yeah, I but thought 30. in that yeah. compendium. Come on, come on, Sean. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was literally around like where we quote twenty eight and what whatnot. I thought it was in Hear, the twenties. Heavens, as I speak, listen, O Earth, to the words of my mouth. May my teaching fall like rain. May my speech condense like dew. That's not it. And that's, I would be on top of it, but I that, I don't have my phone. That's Ha'azanu. Here. Well, Vayikel. He went. No, I think it's thirty. I think it's thirty-four. You think it's a thirty-four? Okay. Yeah, I think it's thirty-four. Although thirty-four, I thought it. I thought that. Um, I thought that text opened by saying the song of Mache. Mm. We'll get it. The we'll Zot Habraka. This is the blessing. Where's the song? 33? <laughs> now I'm... Now you never win it. You're like, yeah, oh, okay, I got to find this thing. Mashi ascended from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo. Yeah. Well, let me nope. say this while, while no, you're actually... Okay. All right. While you, go, while you were looking at that, I, I mean... I, was, I, I, I can't <laughs> find it. We do have a song. Yeah, we have a song, Constitution. Uh, we have a... a our borders, we know where our land is. We we uh, we have our governances. We have everything that that gives us the parameters of how the nation is supposed to function under a theocracy, and that's part of somewhat of the problem that we have in relating to the Most High is because we live and here in the United States under a, under a, a republic yeah. and a democracy yeah. Yeah. that says we the people. That's why I'm trying to say this without adding any um, pedagogy. To it, and, and pedagogy is just this idea of just saying um, I'm explaining something, but there's an undertone to it. A, a great example of pedagogy is when people talk about uh, critical race theory. When people are talking about I'm just explaining history, but that history doesn't make a certain group of melanemic people look good. So <laughs> therefore, um, it's called pedagogy because what it's doing is it's saying that they're inherently bad because you're telling a, 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 a particular fact about something. So I'm not trying to say this about trying to have any pedagogy, but there's a certain group of people that are across the street <laughs> that acquiesce to that idea of diplomacy and democracy because they've literally said in, in Hebrews chapter 7, we are going to change this because we feel as though it is weak and ineffective and didn't accomplish its goal. Oh, you are you quoting Hebrews chapter seven? I am quoting Hebrews chapter seven. Okay, it, it is over there. Well, I I bring this up. I bring this up with all with, with all of this that you've heard in between when I first started talking about this <laughs> this this today this evening mm -hmm. is that we are introducing into your thought process something that is great, and that is. Yahweh's exiled empire. Empire. Yes. Absolutely. Yahweh's exiled empire. Yeah. And to get you to think in a in a broader mindset or in a broader concept as to the fact that we're not dealing or talking about something small and minute. Mm. An empire is something great. Yeah. Greece was an empire. Rome was, was an empire. empire. Yeah. The Chinese had an empire. Yeah. Ming dynasty, Han dynasty, all those dynasties, yep. But there is something very particular about Yahweh's exiled empire and that is that this exiled empire is still in force and it is still empowered while all of these other empires have died and passed away yes yes Yahweh's exiled empire is still alive mm-hmm and in this exile, he has promised us that he 
is going to bring us back to our land, rebuild the temple. Yes. Reestablish King David as King David as king. Mm-hmm. And the empire will be eternal and forever. And no empire will ever, ever, ever exceed it or demean it yep. or destroy it. So, I mean, we're trying to get you to think about how great this empire is. Yeah, and it's, it's. I was thinking about this earlier today on my uh, uh, exodus from the, the workplace, <laughs> is that what you just described is, in my opinion and estimation, one of the absolute greatest miracles in text. Most people, if you ask them, they said, hey, listen, what, what do you think the greatest miracle is? They might say parting of the Red Sea. They might say what Yahashua happened to him where the sun stopped in, in the sky for a whole entire day. But I would have to put at the top of my list that because it's such an intricate master plan of how the Most High is positioning his people and putting things in place to not to say that his empire has been uh, erode it's been eroded a little bit by its own people by its own people yes yeah, but never by the most high but never but never demolished right correct never demolished so if you're talking about one single act that happened something that Elisha did or Elijah did or something you know he brought the the axe up from the from the bottom of the river that fell down someone was doing some work and you might say okay these are one time events but we're talking about a miracle of what Elohim is there what other Elohim is there that can deliver a people into a land, give them a land, establish rulings? I sound like I'm quoting Devarim chapter four. <laughs> Come on. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> Who's established all these things for us. And it's been over a span of generations and millennia. Yep. That is a miracle in itself because I'm going to speak for myself. I know you don't know no Hebrews. But I know quite a few, and it's very difficult to get us on the same page. Yes. Just to try to understand what's in text. Yes. Let yes. alone getting you ready and your mind ready to say that wherever you are dispersed amongst the four corners of the world, at some point your generations are going to have to understand that you're going to have to leave. Yes. And go back to the land. Yes. Our mind isn't even there yet. Not even there yet. No. <laughs> so we're talking about things that are germane to the future. Yes. And I know a lot of people don't like this word, but prophecy that's, ha- that's going to happen. We talk about it all the time. It's not a word that I'm afraid of anymore. Um, and classifying ourselves as because that's what we're doing. That's what now the major and minor prophets did. The Nevi'im did. So I'm only saying that to say the piggyback on what you're saying is that Yahweh's exiled empire is something that's exemplifying something extremely opulent, extremely, um, it's gargantuan. It's, I can't think of enough good adjectives to say about it, but, and to put the cherry on top, it's a miracle. Yeah. And you know, along with that, it, it's, it's important at this point in time in history and even at this point in time, in time and month, as we talk about black history. Ah, yeah. See, as we talk about black history <laughs> and we talk about Yahweh's exiled empire, we're talking about oh, yeah. melanated people all over the, the globe world. that are a part of of this exiled empire that don't even know that they're a part of this exiled empire right. that that many of them even though they don't know are going to be included mm. in the revivification when the most high brings as he has promised this exiled empire back and restores us back in the land right right now you want to talk about some black history <laughs> you have to go, you see, you have to go, you have to go into our history book and our text in order to understand that we're not talking about, we're not talking about Adam, we're not talking about uh, 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 
Methuselah. Yep. We're not talking about uh, uh, like Enoch. Or, Enoch. Yeah. We're not talking about Noah. Yep. We're not talking about Noah's sons. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about uh, Father Abraham. We're not talking about Shem, uh, Japheth, and Ham. Yep. We're not talking about and by shade and everything that comes up. We're not talking about people who are not melanated. All of these individuals that you read about in text Mm -hmm. from Bereshit to Devarim are individuals who are melanated people. Correct. Yeah. And what an appropriate month because every time that we talk, we talk black history. Yes, we do. Every single Shabbat. Yes, we do. Black history, black history, and, and, black history. Yeah. And the thing that the thing that disturbs me mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. most is we talk to people who don't know their history. Yeah. They know black American history, but they don't know their their what is it? Their their heritage. Correct. Yeah. You see, your heritage your heritage is not, that's the word I'm looking for, is not framed by where you're, where you're exiled to. to. Okay. Your heritage is framed by where you're exiled from. Mm. And if you don't know where you're exiled from, although I heard a young lady today uh, talking about the diaspora, the diaspora from Africa, mm-hmm. uh, our heritage is in the area of Africa, but up in the what the uh, the northeast northeast corner in yep. the northeast corner where the Most High has established and provided Israel with a land. Yes, the temple was there. Yes, and He has promised in text that He's going to reestablish the temple there mm-hmm. and bring us back there. And that our borders are going to be expanded beyond that because so many, so many of the nation of Israel, he's going to bring back in a time frame that you're never, ever going to hear anybody talk about in a Christian church. (laughs) Absolutely. And as I'm writing, and as I'm writing uh, the book that contains our rules and our regulations and instructions for this exile, I mentioned this particular time, but I didn't explain it. Now I have to go back and explain Explain it. it. That's what I was going to say. The the book that you're writing is going to be so important. I've got to to get it done because, (laughs) because, you know, it's so important to our way of life in this exile. And the point being is that nobody knows what it is. Exactly. Exactly. It's definitive, something that you can put your hands on and say, this is what's germane to us as we're out of the land. All of them are still in play, obviously. It's, it's coming. Yep. It's coming. And as soon as I get it done, uh, we're going to make it available uh, to you yep. and to our subscribers. Um, we may just even uh, to our subscribers. Yeah, yeah. Subscribe. Matter of fact, you brought up that uh, I'm going to do a, 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 a shameless plug. But um, as we launch this new platform, Hebrews, excuse me, uh, Yahweh's Exiled Empire, um, we definitely have the platforms for uh, YouTube to follow us there. And then also with the Patreon as well. And I would encourage individuals, uh, once we make the official announcement about uh, the Patreon, to keep a a close watch to it. Because you're going to have content on there that that is going to be unfiltered. Yeah. And also, I want to let you know also that beginning... Uh, March the 3rd, uh, all things working seamlessly in this technology, uh, you'll also be able to follow us on YouTube uh, live every Shabbat. Yeah. Looking looking up on YouTube, uh, Yahweh's Exiled Empire, you'll be able to follow us and hear our Shabbat service yeah. live on YouTube beginning at 1130 uh, Pacific Standard Time. So now whatever that time frame equates to where you are, mm-hmm. you can tune in and you can listen to our Shabbat service and our, and our, our, our Shabbat teachings 
that we're doing on the Shabbat uh, every so that 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 if you do that, that will bring you into the family mm-hmm. where you have a congregation that you can congregate with while it's streaming on live uh, on YouTube. Yet and still, you'll be part of a body of people who's teaching pure Hebraic text. Yes. Yes. And it's sticking to the text. We're not spiritualizing it. We're giving it to you the same way the Most High gave it to our opulent teacher, our teacher. Yeah. Mashe. Mashe. The man. Not Moses. <laughs> Mashe. Mashe. You know, can I pontificate about him for a well, second? Sure, 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 sure. I mean, you might as well. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, you, you know. Let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you before you do it. Let me tell you Please. Mashe is very <laughs> special to me. Yeah. The first time that I taught Torah from Bereshit to Devarim, and I got to Devarim, and I got to the last chapter where Mashe ascended the mountain. Mount Nebo. And he died. Yeah. I absolutely broke down and cried. Yeah. And the next year, I did the same, same thing. thing. I cried. Mashe became so, he became such a teacher to me that it was like he was in my study room. Mm. And mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking, it's like my father, my, my father passed away many years ago, and I'm going like my mentor, my, my, my support, my counselor uh, is gone. Yeah. 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 You make that 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 real strong connection when you're when you're reading it because our way of understanding the most high is through is through Mashe. Mashe. Yes. Whatever he's so that was what I was gonna pontificate about was that how I have this deep affection for him now than I did ever before. Because this man like listen. You've you know, known me oh, for oh, a long hold, hold time. Point, hold okay, come on. If, if if you ever happen to be seeing this podcast live and you see uh, Sean and I pointing to <laughs> my left and his right, uh, you're wondering, what are we pointing and looking at? Well, it's we, we have the Tanakh. Uh, right. <laughs> we have the Tanakh sitting on this blackboard here. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, uh, go ahead and talk. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. He's, he's one of these individuals that really transcends and sets the tone for Hebrew Israel. He's an individual that I just reflected on the fact that Moshe sat in the presence of Moshe. I mean, of, of Moshe sat in the presence of the Most High Yahweh. Just like we're sitting here and we talk to one another, like what? Friends. And I know some of your hobbies. You know some of mine. And there, there we go. Now we're going to that. We have the, the, the knock in front of us. <laughs> and so now you know what we're pointing to. Right. It's, it's this idea of, of which really resonated with me. The fact that he sat down in the presence of the Most High and was given this information from Genesis. Bereshit all the way through the end of Devarim. And he's an individual that because of, he was in the presence of the Most High so much that you couldn't look at him because his face, he had to wear a veil all the time because of the the glory, the Shekhinah had rubbed off on him from the Most High. Right. Now, I'm thinking to myself about, why I can't I can't get him off out the books going across the street. You would think somebody would have some Shekinah on him too, but he don't. But they don't. No, no, <laughs> no. But he don't. No. But I don't want to harp on that. The issue that I'm, I'm saying is I have a deep affection and appreciation because the only way that I know the Most High is through what Mashe tells me. 
And if he breaks it down and says, I, I believe this, I want to use my imagination. And like I said, they're talking amongst themselves. And then we have all these questions about how creation began. Tell us about light. Tell us about how you divided the light. I'm pretty sure they're having these intricate conversations between the two of them. But Moshe is only, or Moshe is only writing down the, the things that are really germane and are important. It, that man knows more than you think. Not, I know you know, but he has. Who, Moshe? Moshe, absolutely. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. The, the scope of what he knows is beyond them five books. Exactly. Exactly. And so the, I connect with him that way to say, I never, obviously I wasn't around at that time, but I got to look beyond the text and say, Mashe knows some of the intricacies in creation. He knows about what happened in that garden. He knows about all these other things that are being narrated in text Absolutely. that we have questions about that. Exactly. When I have take solace in the fact that when we arrive in the land, we can go to Yerushalayim and yes. hear the teachers teach about the things that are germane to the most high. Well, so the I text, just, well text tells us that the nations are, are going to say, yeah. let us go up to Yerushalayim for the Torah is being taught. Yeah. It's being taught there. Now he's not talking about culture. He's right. talking about rules and instructions right. are going to be taught there by the master teacher. Yeah. I mean, what can you say? We're talking about black history. Yeah. This black melanated man called Mache was called by the Most High one of the greatest prophets of all time. Of all time. He was the goat of prophets. <laughs> he was the greatest of all times. Right. Right. If you came in there, matter of fact, I'm pretty sure the other person, I think it's in Yeremehu, uh, who speaks about it, the prophet, and says that uh, even if, you know, as Israel had what we call in the old church, backslid, yeah. as they were in their backslidden state, he says, yeah. even if, even if, Moshe and Shemuel and Shemuel were here with me. I still would. I still would. Yeah. The, yeah. The depth that this man goes. And again, we're talking about leadership. Yeah. We're talking about all the things that here, when you and I went to Africa, we had what a social poverty yes. that we experienced yes. while we were there. Yes. No doubt about it. We got off the plane and unless I can say this for myself, I immediately experienced it. But to have, I don't know what that feels like or know what it looks like to have that kind of leadership in a place where the most high is germane and close. I don't know what that even, I can only read about it and theorize about and imagine what it could be like, but to have the experiential knowledge of it. I'm listening to a, I'm trying to think where I heard it. Oh, I know where I heard it. I heard it on Instagram. Okay. There was an African individual who was pontificating about the leadership of Africa. And he asked a question. He says, I don't understand it. I don't understand why we Africans keep voting for and selecting leaders who haven't done anything mm. and we expect them to lead the nation of Africa. Mm. They haven't created anything. <laughs> they haven't established anything. They haven't done anything to prove leadership. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that Yahweh's exiled empire has within it, it has leadership. Leadership. Whether or not you all accept the leadership that you're hearing, he has established leadership. Mm -hmm. And that leadership is, is in sync. It is in sync with what the Most High wants this empire to know. Right, right. Now, my daddy said, it's a poor dog. <laughs> that don't wag. Who won't wag his own tail. tail. Uh-huh. But as we sit before these mics every week, whether or not, and you know, I, I'm going to say it, 
We're providing you with leadership according to the way and the standard of the Most High. Whether you accept it or not. But, you know, I'm okay with that. Because Shemuel had the same problem. He sure did. He looked at this opulent nation of Israel who looked him in the face and told him, we're not accepting the leadership of the Most High. We're not accepting your leadership. We want to be like all the other nations. We want a king like everybody else. else. We're rejecting you and we're rejecting the Most High. And the Most High had to come back to Shemuel and let him know, look, get your head up. Get get your head up off. Get your head up off between your knees. Right. Take off your sackcloth and ashes and Uh recognize they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting my leadership. Yes. Yes. And it's interesting. We're going to get into it soon. You you know what? Y'all need to. I'm going to release this podcast this week. But I wish y'all would show up for this Shabbat because you just really teaching my whole entire my, my deal. At the end of the day, but well, which, yeah. is a, which is a beautiful thing. Well, yeah, because you're 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 teaching the book of Shemuel. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the book of Shemuel right now, and and this is the thing is that which is beautiful, and to understand about how important the mitzvot are is as we speak about Shemuel and we speak about uh, 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 Shimshon and we speak about Yahashua, we speak about uh, Moshe. The leadership is still subject to Torah. Just because they're a leader doesn't mean they get to circumvent. You have you think about all the problems that we have here in the United States with poor leadership and and people taking bribes and and all kinds of things, subversive activity that are happening in, in the hallowed halls of government, at least in these United States. We are, even though they're saying they swear by the Constitution that they're going to be there to uphold it and they're ones above it, yeah. like in kind, <laughs> which is a fat chance because you see people falling down left and right with that. Moshe is a good enough leader to understand that he's not above the mitzvot. Right. And he's subject to it just like every other Everybody citizen else. is. Now, and, but, but there's something interesting here. The difference with, with, with the empire, even in this exile, is within the context of the seriousness that we the servants of the Most High take the rules and regulations as Mashe did. Yeah. Now, you can violate the American Constitution as a leader and live. And live. But I I dare you, I double dare you, I double dare you to stand up in front of any people and profess that you are a follower of the Most High's ways and know them. Right. And know them, but violate them. I defy you to do that and live. Yeah. Now, you might live one day. You might live a week. You might live a month. But I guarantee you that your days on this earth will be cut short. Absolutely. Now, that's because that's because people. You know, I've said this before and I said it to somebody the other day. We were talking about why it is that the pastors and what have you can't. Oh, I know. We were talking this weekend. Okay. Why they can't? Why why they can't do what you and I do? Mm. And I said it's because they do not know the Most High. Mm. They know of oh, the man. Most High, but they don't know the Most High. If you knew the Most High, you would. Fear the Most High, and I'm not talking about the aspect of reverence. Right. You would fear him in the aspect of your very life to know that if I mess up, my days are going to be cut short. Yeah. You're a goner. I might live a week. (laughs) I might live a month. I might live two months. I might even live a year. But I'm not 
going to live out the full length of my days. And you can say, well, while the Most High said he was going to give you, uh, what, four score and ten and by reason of strength. So uh -huh. if I don't, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, it's an interesting no. question. No. Can you answer this for me, my mentor and teacher? Let's discuss this for a second, because I have to do this this weekend. This is a great point. The Most High has written in text that when they get into the land, and it's very specific, it wasn't the intention of the Most High to have, to circumvent the theocracy that they were living under no. and go to a, some type of uh, um, monarchy system. No. Um, but he did say... Yeah. I will pick... He did say, when you have lived in the land mm -hmm. and you want a king... Right. I'll pick him. I'm going to pick him. Exactly. So... The issue here is at the end of the day is, is that I don't, I, I think maybe Hebrew Israel, and tell me what you think about this, is that Hebrew Israel, maybe some, because of the way he responded to Shemuel and saying, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me, as if to say, yeah, I'm giving them what they want, but that doesn't mean that my authority has gone exactly. away. Exactly. And so, by exactly. you, by and, 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 and then, now, now, to back on what you said, sure. that's covered in the fact that he says, when you've lived long and you desire a king, king. Yep. he says, I'm going to pick that king. Mm -hmm. So if he's picking the king, then he has authority. That's correct. So he's not giving up his authority because you want a king. I'm not giving up my authority because you want. I'm going to pick that king. Exactly. And while it is in history, y'all going to go through this process of, of choosing your own king. And I'm telling you now, and I'm, I, 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 I'm speaking to Samuel. He says, they're going to want a king, but that king that they want is going to oppress them. Right. Which? And is going to enslave them. I'm sorry. I'm stuck across the street. Who picked him to be king? Because that's a violation of the mitzvah. Oh, yeah, it is. Nowhere in text does it say that the Most High said that this is going to be your king. No, the only he didn't place say that it. shows up and emphatically is when they tacked it above his head on that cross. And Here's the king of the Jews. And the Most High said that every king must write his, his own, own Torah. He said, write it. He didn't say, oh, you're, you, you have become Torah. No, he said, write it. Write it. And he wasn't talking about writing the dissertation from Bereshit to Devarim. He was saying, I need you to specifically enumerate exactly. my rules and my instructions. Yep. That's what I need you to right. do. So, so the next time he fulfilled all of them in Matthew 5 and 17, that's not true. That's not true. Because we can pick out a bunch of them that, that didn't take place, or if it was silent about it, I'm pretty listen, sure. It listen, listen, <laughs> listen, listen. Let's talk about it. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're here. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in Black History Month, and I hope I hope we put this out during this particular month so people oh, yeah. can hear it. Listen, we're talking about leadership amongst melanated people and once again when I talk about melanated people I'm not just talking about people who are black mm -hmm. I'm talking about people who are brown mm. because we have we have Japanese that are a part of our family we have Chinese that are a part of our family we have Filipinos that are part of our family we've got Indians that are part of that, I shouldn't say Indians, what's the proper name? Uh, uh, you talking about for indigenous, here? Indigenous folks are Indigenous native. people uh -huh. who are part of the Hebrew nation that we don't even think about. And guess what? All these people that we're talking about ain't jumping up, spinning a pail, a pail of cotton, and listening to somebody holler, <laughs> holler at them and clown them for 45 minutes. Nope, they're not. Let, let, let me just do a dig. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a Please. dig. I'm going to do a digress. I'm going to come back to this first okay. for a minute. I was watching Instagram again and, on the gram. Yep, and uh, they had this snippet on of this church who had um, voted in their new pastor by democracy. Okay, and they were having. 
this new pastor's installation service. We're talking about leadership, okay? <laughs> and um, on the installation service day, one of the mothers uh, stood up in the front of the church and she said, I'm not having it. Really? Okay. I'm not having it. Y'all going to come up here as a family and you going to vote you you going to vote in a pastor? I'm not having it. And it broke out into a brawl in the church during the installation <laughs> service. Now we're talking about leadership. Oh my gosh. That would never happen with Hebrew Israel. Nope. As a matter of fact, uh there was an individual who decided to want to stir a ruckus and declare Mashe wasn't chosen by the Most High and he wasn't the only one to teach. That individual's name was Korak in text. But did the ground open up on him? And when he did that and had his little minions with him, mm -hmm. uh, the Most High spoke to the leader that he had chosen and he told the nation of Israel, tell all of Israel to back up. Yep. Back up. Yep. Back. And they had the back they <laughs> had to back up far enough that they themselves didn't slide into the ground opening up that swallowed up Brother Korak and all his minions. Yeah. See, this would never happen in Hebrew Israel. Yeah, that's where the fear and respect for the most high jumps in. And I think I, I, I think, Sean, that in order to get the ear of Hebrew Israel in exile, the Most High is going to have to do something spectacular of that nature mm -hmm. because he's doing everything else he can. Well, let's put it this way. I shouldn't put that. He's doing everything else in... What do I what, what I call it? In um in sequence, mm. in stages. Sure. And we don't get it. Right. Right. Because what I was saying earlier, because the miracle doesn't happen instantaneously. The waters don't open up and you can just walk through on the same day in a couple of hours. This is something that's happening over a millennia of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like you said, it's happening in stages. So right. because and, and, it, and because it's happening in stages. The Most High's warnings and his wooing of his wife is not happening because we don't recognize that that's what he's doing. That's true. That's true. Now, the only way that we can recognize that's what he's doing is by understanding the text. Yeah. The Hebrew text and the history. But 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 let but, but, let's 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 what, what this this is Black Hebrew Month, okay? okay. I, and I want to talk about I, I, I we've talked about Mashe being an awesome leader. Yes. You have taught lessons from the book of Judges. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want you I want you to do that to explain some of that off the back of where I'm going now. Okay. When Israel wanted a king, they selected Saul. The most I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you Saul. Mm -hmm. Okay. But that's what happened. Saul isn't my choice. Ding, 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 ding. I got to stop you. Because you stop taking the thunder away. <laughs> because literally when people hear, actually hear this and when it comes out on Sunday, the people that hear will have already heard this already. But the issue here is that Saul, I don't think most the most high, I think the most high was saying, okay, you want a king? Let me give you one, but let me show you the disaster, the disaster this is going to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you don't want one anymore. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, my, we, we I, talk about how how bad I, he is as a as a. I, I gotta go there. <laughs> Please, I mean, absolutely. Saul's not my choice. Exactly. There, 
is a little boy out attending some sheep. And I want you, Shemuel, to go to his father, and I want you to find this little boy. Yeah. And the father's going to bring in all of his sons, and the Most High's going to reject them all. Oh. Yep. Until this ruddy little boy comes in from the field, mm-hmm. and he asks, who is this? And he says, "Hey, and 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 the reason I'm the reason I'm bringing this up, and, and I need you to 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 add to to punch it for you on it also, is because we're talking about leadership. Mm-hmm. King David was a leader of men. Yeah, the history, the history of King David and his leadership of men go." well beyond what you read in text. Mm-hmm. He took a band of nobodies, weak men, and made them so strong that they became human bridges yeah. and human ladders. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, it's such a complex thing, but simplistic in its... In its, in its um, as I divulge it, what you see in the book of Judges, to piggyback on what you're saying, is a series of individuals called the Judges who actually are very good leaders. They've kind of been handpicked. Every single one of them actually are handpicked. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're talking about <laughs> leaders now. Yes, we are. They were strategic yes. war generals. Absolutely, yeah. And, and that is where... This go, if you look at where the Most High goes with David, David kind of fits that kind of that bill, even though, you know, he's not, he's a, he's a young boy, but he's, when you look at Shaul versus David, you see two distinct issues going on with the leadership that's there on, on the criteria for, for each of them. You can see that this individual is just kind of like a showpiece, you know, for Israel. And this other one is kind of, he's got okay. a, a greater, oh, okay. greater. Let's put it this way. One has a deep respect and reverence for the Most High yeah. as a child. Yeah. And the older Shaul has none. That's that's correct because even when you look at the text in uh, uh, Shemuel, uh, I believe it's in chapter 9, it talks about how uh, um, Shaul didn't even know who... Well, he appears to not even know who Shemuel even is. As they go into the town, the donkeys are lost. They go and they find these in, these women that tell him, hey, the, the prophet is there. You need to go talk to him because they had been on search for this these donkeys that his father, Kish, had lost. And um, they said, well, the, the prophet is right there. And when he meets him, he acts dumbfounded. And actually, his servant is the one that actually says, yeah, that's... That's the prophet. That's so the prophet. to pick it back on what you're saying, he has no, even though he's a part of Hebrew Israel, there's a disconnection from his pedigree of actually being king. And that, that ties back again into the book of Judges, because when you look at, I want to lead with my poster child in, the, in, in Judges, which is Devorah. And everybody should remember Devorah because she had an individual that was under her command named Barak. And I only say that because we... <laughs> We have a we, we had, had a president, we had a president called, named Barack. <laughs> <laughs> so she, even though she was, she commanded and had a strategic mind. When you look at Shimshon and you do the study of what you may know him as Samson, we call him the Hebrew Shimshon versus the Christian Samson. Because this Christian Samson is a weak, sniveling individual who just conforms to the whims of of whatever his desires are at the particular time, not knowing that the Hebraic Shimshon is a very strategic man. Yes. That he goes in and he's wreaking havoc on the Philistine and every move that he makes has, has purpose behind it. Yeah. And so, again, with all of the judges that are in, that we see, they all have the same thing. Military prowess, they have an affection for the Most High, yes. even in their humility. Yes. Even when you look at uh, Yerubbaal, you may know him as Gideon. If you look at Yerubbaal, he has the same attributes. He's ready to rock and roll when it comes time to, I want to say get down for, my, for all you young folks out there. <laughs> but 
He is ready to defend. And this is what we're talking about. We're talking about patriots. We're talking about leadership amongst the black family, the melanated family of people and men. We're talking about the fact that we have this, this Yahweh's exiled empire, even in this exile, the Most High has chosen strong-willed men to lead. Right. Even what, even if they didn't know they were Hebrew, they were strong. Yeah. And they walked in the faith and knowledge of the strength of belief that the Most High El was on their side. Absolutely. You know, let me tell you something. Okay. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Marcus Garvey, um, mm, uh, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and all of the great men of color in this United States that I'm mentioning that are common are common names to you. Yeah, like household names. Yeah. Household names. These individuals had a firm grasp on their belief system in the Most High. Yeah. And while they called him God, and while they called him Lord, and, and while they even referred to him as Jesus Christ. And even Allah. And Allah. Uh-huh. The Most High chose these men because they were strong in their constitution and belief and were unwavering to the point of death. Yes. At, and here's what I'm going to get to. Uh-huh. You and I sit before these mics as pure Hebrews. Mm-hmm. We know Torah. We know what Torah says. We know how the Most High and what he feels about his laws, rules, and regulations. We know what he said about individuals who don't follow. But there's a, but there's a, but there's a place where we have to put a pin. Mm-hmm. We have to put a pin in the fact that we're talking about individuals who more than likely had no clue about Torah. Now, do you see the prophetic work of our Elohim oh, yeah. in that? Oh, yeah. If we tie this back to black history, we're talking about the, the Marcus Garveys and the, and the Malcolm Shabazzes and, and, and the Martin Luther Kings. How does that tie back into Torah and the master plan of Hebrew Israel? And I have to have resolve and say that the Most High used, not to, to piggyback on what oh, you're saying, oh, absolutely. This, the Most High used these individuals for, the, for their ability to get policy passed in the United States so we can have a level of comfort in, the, in these United States. In, and this, I'm talking, in this exile, in the, exile. In the exiles that we're in. Right, because not matter of fact, I'm, gra- I'm glad that you corrected me on that because their work isn't just in the United States. It transcended throughout the whole entire world that affected all Hebrews or at least changed policy for those individuals uh, that were under the guise of oppression. So I'm only saying that to say that had they not come through and did the work that they did, even though they didn't might, might have known the most high in its totality like we uh, profess to, that they were still being used by the Most High. Yeah. I mean, I can even say, hey, listen, there was an individual that was in Mitzrayim. Now, I don't even have to finish it. You can go ahead and finish that. Named Potter. He didn't care about the Most High at all. At all. But he was used. He was used by the (laughs) Most High. The Most High, as a matter of fact, the Most High told Mashe, I'm hardening his heart. I'm going to give you the answer to the test already. This is a part of my plan, 
And this is why this man is so great, because when the Most High is able to come down and relay to you the things that are germane with his master plan, that's why I'm saying kudos and hats off. But again, getting back to the black history thing, he's these men have been set in place so we're able to worship on the Shabbat, not have crosses burned on our front lawns and being accepted, at least in in these United States, as having some value while we're here. Now, we're occupying. But again, I I commend these men for their efforts. Yeah. But that's not the end of the story. No, no not at all. Well, you know, Sean... Every year this time, you know, I get beside myself. And the reason I get beside myself is because this America always starts Black History Month by commemorating and speaking about things that have happened since uh, Plymouth Rock. Yeah, since 1619 and... Black history yeah. doesn't begin at Plymouth Rock. Sure doesn't. Black history begins in Bereshit when the Most High created Adam and Eve. Yeah. Yeah. That's where black history begins. Yeah. And our history is still being written in mm. this diaspora according to the words that are written in our Hebrew texts. Absolutely. And Agreed. the sad part about it is... While a young man can be beaten to death yeah. by his own people and our people are screaming for justice, I haven't heard anybody yet scream to the Most High El, Yahweh. Right, right. And understand that all of this madness can stop right? if only we would turn back to the Most High, follow his rules and his instructions. All of this madness. I'm, I listen, listen, those of you listening to, to this podcast may believe that, oh, that's just preacher rhetoric. It's not preacher rhetoric. Mm. Israel, the prophet, was asked in the book of Yeshayahu. The children of Israel asked Yeshayahu, the prophet, how long is this going to go on? The prophet responded, until Israel repents. There's and your the answer. problem being is that Israel the majority of Israel don't know that they're Israel and they're bringing this horrible sense of the Most High's judgment upon all of us. It's kind of like D.L. Hughley's monologue when he was talking about something and he says, you're, you, you messing it up for all of us. <laughs> the majority of people who don't recognize who they are and what they're supposed to be doing are making it hard on the body of us. However, yeah. as I close tonight, mm. let me testify. Please. By following the Most High's ways, which is one of the things that King David said, he said to the Most High, you know, I walk in your ways. When you read the helium, which is Psalms, and you read the king and he makes those words, Christendom does not know what he's talking about when he tells the Most High, I walk in your ways. Mm. Because what he's saying to the Most High, he says, I walk in your rules and your instructions. Those are your ways. Therefore, he says, therefore, you, Most High, are obligated to me as king because you have appointed me, but I walk in your ways. And while I have all of this bad stuff happening, I got stuff going in my household, I got, a, I got 
the king that the people selected trying to kill me, mm-hmm. I walk in your ways. Yeah. Therefore, since I walk in your ways, I know that you are going to take care of me. Mm. King David didn't die in a war. He didn't die at the hands of his adversaries. He went to sleep and he slept with the fathers. What I'm trying to say to you is that I have come full circle to understand that my length of days is predicated upon my walking according to his ways. And I can testify to you in more ways than one that I know he hears me when I pray. No, I don't hope. Yeah. Ain't about hope. I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm not, I'm not keeping hope alive no more. No, (laughs) this, this is, I've reached the point of knowing the most. I know the most. I don't know. I don't know of him. I don't know about him. No, I know him like I know you. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know you. Mm-hmm. I know the most high like I know my son. Mm. And I know my son. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know him. I know the most high to the point that when I open my mouth, I'm not opening my mouth to please an audience of people who want to have their ears tickled. I frankly don't care yeah. about tickling your ears because it's more important that your soul. Right be redeemed in the messianic era than it be discarded as though it never existed. Right. Right. But I can only know that as I study Mashe because Mashe has taught me Mm -hmm. who the Most High is Mm -hmm. and how to reverence him Mm -hmm. not only in respect but fear. Mm-hmm. I have studied and I have read the prophets. I understand from the prophets how to revere the Most High in reverence, but also revere him in fear. And that's where a lot of people who stand in pulpits are not. And I say to you, that the length of days that they have is predicated upon one thing, and that's grace. Yeah. And they don't realize that if they walked in the most high's ways, that their length of days could be long right. in this world, but they would have a place of standing in the world to come. But the problem as I close with the world to come is that they are not teaching a world to come. They're teaching about a heaven, not realizing and having not read Psalms 112, where the Most High says, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Absolutely. And there is no absolutely unequivocally no writing in the melanated man's text I said the melanated man's text mm-hmm. I said the melanated man's, man's text oh yeah I said the melanated man's text all right why do I keep repeating the melanated man's text because the text across the street is not the melanated man's text the melanated man did not write that mm. But in the melanated man's text, which is Bereshit to Chronicles, yeah. written by our ancestors, our black ancestors, yeah. there is nothing in that text that our ancestors ever told us we were going to heaven. Nope. Nowhere. But the Most High did speak. He says, as I promised your ancestors, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Yeah. That in the end of days, 
that even though I've dispersed you to the four corners of the world, I made a promise to Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov that I would bring you back to the land. Absolutely. That's what our black ancestors told us. Uh-huh. That's what every black prophet told us. Mm. That's what our black history teaches us, written by melanated men at the behest of the one who created all things. Yeah. The text across the street that's called the New Testament is written by non-melanated people. Mm. The Greeks and the Romans are not melanated people. Mm. This is Black History Month. Yes, it is. And you want to study black history? Then open the history book and start reading from Bereshit to Chronicles and realize that every one of those names in that book are all melanated people. Yeah. Every last one of them. They were strategic leaders. They were strategic war generals. Mm Mm-hmm. And every last one of them operated under the auspices and the governance and the rule of the Most High El. And I hope and I pray that I can follow or am following in their footsteps. This has been Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. And Sean Appleton. And this has been Hebrews in exile. Shalom. Shalom.